0: stardom we are a go um all right what's going on brother it's going it's going good man just
1: uh coming off of um i put out quarter so basically what i've been doing is i've just been taking it back producing a lot of tracks trying to make as deep as i can and um just staying in the flow of creativity but as far as rapping, uh, mainly I just want to kind of rehearse, you know, like, courses, music. I'm going to be recording, but mainly this month I just kind of want to focus on just
0: making beats, producing, and just getting ready for 2020 as a whole. Okay, um, I actually listened to um, most of the album. I think I listened to everything that was on YouTube. Um, is that the is that the whole track list that that's on YouTube right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, everything on YouTube—that's that's the whole
1: project—and I'm working on that. I'm I, I'm re-in I got to reinstate my soundcloud. and I'm, I'm editing it, and I'm also doing the same for my podcast. So it's not on any streaming platforms, but I'm working to get everything on a streaming platform by 2020, and uh, as well as just promoting it through Facebook groups and social media. But yeah, those are all the songs. There's a uh, fifteen tracks and then there's a bonus track but it's just an extended version
0: of Portland to the Bay with the just an extra verse I did I let's let's kind of backtrack a little bit because um, I wanted to talk about cortisol um for a little bit but um as pretty much well now a fellow podcaster I kind of want to give a little bit of background for the listeners um, one of the reasons why I actually pulled the trigger on eventually doing a podcast was was because of you and um, kind of what you were doing as far as podcasts. Um, Chase, he comes from a podcast, uh, hip hop, um, you know, talks, and I've actually been on his show a couple different times. And when uh, we how did I don't know who kind of introduced who, but I know it was on Instagram. I think I was just liking a lot of your stuff just because, you know, I'm, I'm from the old school hip-hop, but the conversation started like, hey, like, you want to be on a podcast? I was like, yeah, dope. And uh, through the series of just our, our conversations, um, both like-minded individuals, both really just are passionate about the things that we, that, uh, we are pursuing. You are um, big into hip-hop um, cortisol, which is your first... Mm, First big project, right?
1: Yeah, I would say that this is. Um, I, w- I would say this is definitely me really coming out as a, a, a professional rapper, you know. Because I have released a lot of music before, a lot, you know. And but with this project, I felt like this this mixtape is really me coming out and saying, okay, I'm forced to be reckoned with. Everything else before that, I feel like was preparation for this project. And now everything after this, I feel like, you know, because I just feel like after this, the bar just has to keep going higher and higher. Cause I, I released, I would say in, in high school, I released seven mixtapes under the, the moniker Chase the MC. I had different names. So I, I released like seven mixtapes and they're all off. Awesome. You know, the am still there, but they're all terrible. And then I, my girlfriend got me back into the, in the music and everything because um, I took a break my senior year. I just said, I'm, I'm not really too into this. And we started dating. I sent her a few songs and she's like, well, you know, you're not bad. You should, you should get back into it. and I, I kind of pondered it, but I started to get back into it for fun. And then when I did come back, I uh, went by Chase Hinto and I released Unorthodox. I released Here Today, Gone Tomorrow. And I also released The Misadventures that The Mississippi mm-hmm. and And now it's under my government name. So now, Chase Hill is my official stage name and Cortisol is pretty much my debut under that I think, yeah, yeah, yeah so I also did Autumn which is an EP and I think I might have changed my name around that time but that was pretty much a precursor you know, and that EP was, if you want to go check it out that EP, it's, it's much more of a chill sound, a very soulful sound but after that I just kind of took some time to work on Cortisol and then Pretty much, it, it's a culmination of the course. It's kind of a culmination of my life with the past year and a half, but just me kind of explaining
0: where I'm at. Yeah, one thing that, uh, I mean, because I know you just, you know, from our background, um, talking with each other, um, you are pretty much multifaceted as far as a content creator. I mean, you run a podcast, you are on social media you are you know putting these projects together um, and I've noticed this too just from um, you know just kind of following you is the the overwhelming the overwhelming concern that you're dedicating you know so much resources to different things um, through the project through you know you doing the podcast what what are your biggest like what what has been the biggest pitfalls over the last you know six months to a year trying to accomplish you know because you know i've never i've never made a mixtape i've never made an album um i've had maybe like small ambitions to maybe get into writing because i used to like write in, in high school but when i divvy up my time i'm like there's no way there's no way that i can you know develop that craft when i'm trying to do so many other things so what are some of the things that you've kind of run into over the last six months to a year that's a good question so so the last six months
1: to a year i remember i i was i think this year let's see so at the end of 2018 going into 2019 chase fox hip-hop so i I started the podcast december 2017 and i do that, through that year, so December 2017 through December 2018, I dropped 60 podcasts, you know, which isn't terrible, you know, it's definitely, all right, this this is me starting out, and then the second year, you know, which was, uh, uh, technically this year, uh, yeah, 2019, I, I'm at podcast number 159, I just dropped 159, and it's a group effort when I talk about Flapper Zombies, but that's kind of irrelevant, but, so, so basically, I, I dropped like over 100 podcasts this year, and a lot of it was just kind of me practicing, you know, because I was working at uh, Volkswagen, Lithia. it was a car dealership too at the time, and it was a really stressful job, and mainly, you know, during my breaks, I would also get time, I would just I would sit in my car and record a podcast on my phone, but I, I think really just... Just, I mean, if I can just comment on that, I'm really trying to do more quality and less quantity because I was really influenced by Gary Vaynerchuk where I was dropping and all the time and, and it was a good way to build up a little bit of a following early on. But now I'm really just I'm cutting it back as far as the podcast. And I'm doing two to four podcasts a week, which is still a fair amount of content. You know, you're you getting two to four of them a week, and but it gives me time to slow them down. I'm I'm taking more notes as well, I used, I wasn't really as good at, at taking notes before my podcast, now I'm, I'm getting better at kind of plotting out my uh, my talking points and and so on. And as well as now I just started working on video essays and video content I want to put on my YouTube page. So a, a lot of it has just kind of been coming down to, you know, less is more. But it's sort of funny for cortisol, like I, I was, I did a lot of concept, a conceptualization and writing for, for months, and then I really didn't get down to recording everything until I would say September because um, I had a few tracks recorded in the summer for Cortisol. I think one of them was Wept for the Hills. I think Salute was another one. But I was able to really just hone in and figure out the sound. Once I started finding the beats I needed, the sound really came together, and then the inspiration came together, and then the rest of it, it just started to write itself. And then the recording process happened. And then, my, my like, like, for instance, my studio is not fancy in any way. I have had the same laptop for years, and I have, you know, I use a, the same mic. I use the podcast. But I'm, I'm working on upgrading everything. But it's a very simple setup. And then from there, I just went to work, uh, recorded it. And, uh, you know, like, for me, cortisol is, uh, it's tough it's to explain. Because with this project, I just felt really confident. Uh, it's it's also like I feel confident and also you feel you, I I feel scared in a sense where it's like oh shit like here, here we go like this is the new me you know but not not really the new me but at the same time this is like the new way of branding myself but it's more so about the music I just wanted to let people know who I was more than anything I wanted to let people know I can put together a project that I can conceptualize. And and produce and just push it together. I, I think that was mainly me trying to post something to myself, you know, but I, I think that, that's a good question. But a lot of it did come down to, I did taper down on my podcast a little bit. I did kind of have to focus on projects, but there's also, you know, just stuff in my personal life I was going through, you know, things my family had to sort out, like like everyone ever in every single life. But, it you know, I, even through
0: every obstacle, there was a lot of enjoyment. So at the end of the day, I'm just happy I have it out. Like like when I got the project uploaded, it felt like a like a literal weight off my shoulders. Yeah. Um, speaking speaking of cortisol again, um, one thing that when when I listen when I listen to music, I have to listen to it a few different times, um, and you probably attest to this too. Is is I mean I I'm listening for different things. I'm listening to cadence. I'm listening to the beat. I'm listening to, you know, the, the articulation. I'm listening to the, the word play. Like I'm listening for every playthrough. I kind of listen for, for different things. And one thing that I, and just as a listener, and it, it's probably better to like come from the outside. Cause when you listen to your own music, you you get, it. it's like writing your own, like writing a blog. I always have to have someone like look at it. To give me a different perspective but i feel like it's a very hearty album like it, it it's like a soulful album and um it's very minimal like and, and that's what i really like it, especially for like beginner projects and and you know the i can tell that you're you're growing like the uh the different you know the different verses that you um put together you know how you put together words um, there are times where like I'm like okay these are a couple things he'll probably improve on over the next year you know as far as like getting the right syllables together so you're not like you feel like you're speeding up the track or you're slowing it down uh, but I think overall I think cortisol um, and obviously like as a critic I think it's a I think it's a great album especially knowing you and you being able to accomplish that you know only so many people, uh, you know, even have the confidence and the courage to to get on a microphone and and to one have the ability to articulate words that rhyme and then you know actually put it out for the public to hear. So I mean, like over the year, I've been I've been looking for it every time that you would post on Twitter. I'm like, oh man, the, he says so, he says it's coming out. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it, and then it came out, and I was like, wow. Like I'm, you know, I knew that you rapped i knew that you wrote lyrics i didn't know that it was to the brevity that that i was listening to so as that's something that i mean because you you did most of the work i mean you did most the work yourself right i mean uh, who did you get the beats from well well, yeah well that's the thing so um because i knew, knew
1: going into this i knew this was just gonna be a free pop project and um like a lot of this was also me i was i'm gearing up as well to drop my official i'm gonna put out an album next year it's called heart and uh i i was really kind of i just wanted to put something out because a i want to start performing again in 2020 i wanted to do music and there was just a lot i felt like so so let me just you know, I would take it to the beginning as far as you know the producers the writing and the title of it so early on in the year uh rapping forte i conducted with him he um he, uh, we did the song Portland to the Bay, and, and in, the, in the summer, in June, I went down to shoot the video, and San Francisco as a whole, like, the experience of shooting the video was cool, but San Francisco as a whole is a very stressful place, and the energy of it. There is so much going on. It's such a big city, and it, it really, it threw me off, like, I, and, and I felt a lot of cortisol, and cortisol to me is something that within this past year, year and a half, I feel like I just lived with cortisol in my system, you know, just even though physically, just over-training in jujitsu, over overdoing everything, not sleeping enough. Like, cortisol, like, was very close to me. So I was uh, up one night, and I just couldn't sleep, so I just started writing this concept of cortisol, this idea, and then it kind of it kind of grows from that because I'm hyper-obsessed, you know? So I, I hyper-obsessed on the idea, and from there, I um, there were some beats I made. There were little fragments Project I had in mind, but um, I, I went on YouTube and I just started listening to beats, and, and I just started. I just wanted something to catch my ear. And one of those first tracks was a. Uh, I can't remember the name of the producer, but if I go back and double check, um, all the all the music is free, and I made sure to give all the credit to the producers. But man, these are just a lot of beats off YouTube that I, I really like, mixed with some of my own personal production, so. Whenever you see a track that says produced by Aries Nemo, that's really me behind the boards. So there are some songs where I strictly produce some, and I'm definitely going to be taking on the production uh, hat a lot more, even for my own project. But mainly, I was just feeling a lot of sound, like a lot of jazz, a lot of soulful music, a lot of trap, actually. And this project was a culmination, but um, what is I think there's a beat from uh, the first track, Cortisol, produced by Zenshell. And that song mainly, um, it, the intro is, is kind of heavy. There's like, e- even when I, it's more of a spoken word because I say, um, you need to hear the uh, piano, fuck the drums. You need to hear the words I say. And I, I tell a specific story of, um, when I was working at a, on, on RZ Park, it was a really weird time for me and there was a lot going on. But I remember there was an incident where, this uh this man staying there he was an older gentleman and his wife they were and his wife was sick he ended up uh shooting her and then killing himself and this all happened well well this all helped happen during my my work shift and the neighbor came out she was hysterical the ambulance showed up and it was just crazy too how i noticed how how People were jaded. I, I, it, it was such a weird time. I think in my head, I was just trying to figure out, wait, how could this kind of shit happen? And I feel like too cortisol is kind of it's kind of a coming of age project for me. You know, kind of me saying I'm not an amateur anymore. I'm really stepping into the foes And and it it as far as the production too. I wanted the project. If you listen, it, it kind of it gets brighter as it goes because the first few tracks it's cortisol. Uh, dark Horse, Geoshock and Run For The Hills and there's definitely like some trap LML oh, and Salute and, and like there's some trap heavy elements and they, they can sound upbeat but the content overall is pretty dark so I kind of wanted there to be a light at the end of the tunnel for the project so when I put Sun Will Shine and I put Forward and if you look at the titles I specifically, I mean the second song is called Dark Horse, you know what I mean? You know uh the 14th song the song will shine so I, I really just wanted to be very strategic with even how I titled the songs and how everything came together but um, you know one song this is one song I, I think one of my I think this is probably one of my favorites is not the favorite as far as storytelling records I've done but the song eyes you know I, I didn't want to clickbait or anything and put any extra title but on that record in the in the, in the verses I rapped perspective of Little Peep, Triple X, Tantacion and a little bit of Nipsey Hussle. Um, Like, I, I rap from their perspective, and, and at the moments before their death, you know, um, N- Nipsey, it, the Nipsey Hustle perspective, I fade out that verse as it goes, because I didn't really want to give everything away, right. I didn't want the song to be too long, but mainly uh, Little Peep and Triple X, I rap from their perspective, because I feel like, um, you know, it's interesting, you know we we talked about the juice world stuff, but that it, it's crazy because I recorded that song and mainly I just wanted to like put a voice behind like you know like, hey, like they didn't want this either. you know what I mean, As fucked up as it is, and i I, I don't think that you know, I, I do think that there are a lot of factors. I just kind of wanted to make it a song where I just showed like fuck all the tabloid stuff. I want to rap from their perception and just explain the humanity yeah. of it. And that I think eyes is definitely one
0: of my is, is my favorite song
1: off the project. You know personally. Yeah. Like,
0: as far as storytelling. To 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 kind of backtrack a little bit. Um. That's why, that's why I like interviews is because I mean you just kind of brought to light a lot of things that and I'm pretty observant, but the fact that you went as deep to to kind of calculate the track titles and orchestrate this this narrative of. Of pretty much dark to light, I wouldn't have known that <laughs> if you wouldn't have told me. Um, but yeah, eyes. I listen to eyes, and I thought I I wouldn't have known that either. I kind of like sensed. I was like, okay, this is another like storytelling rap. But the fact that you're like, the you know, this is what um, I'm I'm bringing to the surface. This is i um, this is how I'm rapping. I'm rapping from their perspectives. Um, I think that's brilliant. Um, one of my favorite songs of all time is Nas' "Rewind," where he talks about um, a killing, and he goes backwards the whole the whole, he goes backwards on the song, and he's able to tell you a story in reverse, and having the the capability of of kind of twisting the the regular narrative from from start to beginning and being able to. To kind of Quentin Tarantino it and tell different perspectives at different times, it just speaks um, volumes of the growth and and how your mind works just as an individual. Um, I know that me and you kind of talked briefly like on Instagram about Juice World, um, and it was on one of my posts about uh, about drugs. Um, I, I I feel like a, this year um, we and. And obviously, like, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but I feel like we've lost a lot of artists this year to violence, to um, drug overdose. And, you know, with... I mean, these drugs have been around for a while. So I, I wish more rappers would kind of speak up. I know um, Joyner Lucas, he pretty much made a big, um, like, Twitter. Uh, it kind of went viral, like, Yo, when are we gonna stop telling people that these fucking drugs are cool? And I'm on that safe wavelength because a lot of these drugs that are on the market now, the they're they're laced with something else. You know, they're cut with something else. I mean, in the news right now with the vaping industry and these uh, um, counterfeit uh, cartridges, I mean, they're they're cutting them with vitamin E and they're killing people. You know, and. I think a lot of it has to do with criminalization of drugs. Um, I know you probably read the report that Juice World took all those drugs because he, he thought the cops were going to get them, right? And I'm not saying that you know the cops the cops are doing their job, but this this stigma in America that that you know we're going to go to jail for drugs. I mean it's 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 crazy, right? And the amount of, you know, the amount of laws that we have against drugs and the usage of drugs when we're the number one consumer of drugs in the world is really counterintuitive, you know, and there's multiple benefits of having, you know, and, and I'm not saying all, all people should do all drugs. I mean, obviously, it's schizophrenics and, and mentally, very mentally ill People probably shouldn't do drugs. They probably shouldn't do marijuana. They probably should probably stay away from all that stuff. Or if you're prone to a heart attack, you probably should stay away from stimulants and things like that. But for the common individual, I feel like if you're a grown ass person, you can make that decision. You'll go to a place where you know it's pure, you know, like alcohol. You know, you know exactly how much uh, beer that you can ingest before you start getting messed up. Or you know whiskey. Hey, I can take, I can drink two glasses before I'm gone. You know, we need to start doing that with with the other drugs because they're not going to go away, right? If if uh, people think, oh well, we just keep criminalizing it, it'll just go away. No, nope. and you're going to get cartels involved. They, that's why they have so much power because they're able to, you know, maneuver. They're able to bring drugs into America. They're they're not getting taxed on it. Fuck it, tax it, fucking go to a store, be able to buy it off the shelf, you know, it, record it, you know, have a driver's license, okay, this person has this much, and then have facilities built, you know, Narcan is free, you know, right? But diabetes medicine is not. So we need to figure out from just a human perspective what is important. Is it is it the people that are important or is it the profit? And the corporations are going to tell you, oh, well, we do care about people. But they're lining their pockets with, you know, bonuses and just, you know, raising drug prices up, you know. And then the insurance company blames the, you know, the pharmaceutical companies, pharmaceutical companies blame the insurance. And then the government gets involved and nothing gets done. Um, nothing gets done in government. So we need to, you know, for now, I mean, I, these kids need to stop rapping about drugs. You know, and making it and glorifying it because it's not cool. And I don't know what's going on. You know, I've only kind of dipped my feet in the music industry. And even just from kind of reading into it and, and the, the stress that they go through, you know, the tours, the the social media. And, and I you probably read this report, too. A lot of these influencers are going through depression and, and it's because the spotlight's on them. People are expecting something from them they're always expected to make great content, and some people, I mean, PewDiePie, he's like, fuck this, I'm done, (laughs) 2020, like, I'm not gonna produce shit, and I don't blame him, uh, because that shit is, that shit is wild, you know? Yeah, I I think it's it's crazy, because, you know, like,
1: there's a lot to unpack, but yeah, you know what you said about the influencers. I, I think there's, are putting pressure on themselves to succeed, and I, me included. So I, I can I can really understand that perspective, because I think, too, you know, I, I think the big issue is we assume that we get so caught up in the numbers of shit, like, oh, I need X amount of people listening to my music, I need X amount of people watching my videos to be successful, where uh, I mean, my best advice, and this is from a, this dude, Sneeko, like, he has these really cool YouTube videos, and he's kind of an influencer, but he has a really cool perspective on it, and his video content is really interesting. So if you people go check him out, check out Sneako, S-N-E-A-K-O. But he talks about how you should make content that you like. That you like. You know, if, if you may like, like for instance, Cordis, oh, I didn't make that for anyone else, but me. I made that shit for myself. I'm going to be completely honest. I wanted to make a project that I like could like, you know, with elements of hip hop that I love. Because, like, again, you brought a Nas. Storytelling, like I grew up off of that shit. I grew up off of everything. I, I listened to 808s and Heartbreaks, Stillmatic. I listened to Wakas of Slam, I love like MS, film. I love all that fast hip hop. But when it comes to like this, the conversation about drugs, it, it's crazy to think because my project, was Misunderstood, if you go back and listen to it, I was really in a darker place on that project. And a piece of it was. I had, uh, I've grown up my whole life with, like, really close family members who on hardcore drugs, like, uh, meth, or, uh, heroin, and, and these drugs, I mean, like, in Oregon, those two drugs alone, they, like, listen, man, like, yeah, not in pharmaceuticals, don't get a twisted. the pharmaceuticals are a way bigger problem in this country, but at least in Oregon, a lot of people here, are meth and heroin, and that, those are major killers, we're talking about illegal drugs, so on that project, I definitely felt, like, I was venting a lot because I was dealing with like personal, like the personal things. And, and I think too, when I hear rappers like talk about lean, I think what hurts is like, you know, with Pimp C, again, when I heard Juice WRLD had a seizure, I immediately thought about Pimp C, you know, who dies from a seizure because a seizure because of lean. I think about Lil Wayne who has had seizures yeah. because of his lean usage. And then I just, my thought goes that all lean really is if people think about it, liquid heroin it does the same thing. And you know what's funny about this, how this all comes full circle? The first podcast I ever did was after the death of little Pete. And I remember I spent like, I think two weeks researching the chemical compounds of uh, heroin, acetamin, sustenol. I, I talked about it on the podcast. People can go back and listen to it, but that whole entire podcast was about mental health, drug usage, and, and just, it's interesting because if you if, if there was a rapper out here saying, like openly bragging
0: about doing meth, crap and heroin. It's like, man, that almost crazy. You know, yeah. He's like, or or
1: or whatever. But you know, but now it's it's how we stylize it. You know, prescriptions. It looks like candy. Prescription pills look like candy. So it's it's, it's A lot of it to me comes down to packaging and how it looks, and the music. You know, because I do agree that we as artists, you know, we shouldn't endorse this shit. I don't think we should endorse you know, the usage of pharmaceutical pills, and, and even for me, I know, I, I'm not about marijuana. I love marijuana, you know, but even then, I, I, I've overused it, I've, uh, I've overused it myself. But I would never encourage any any person who's still developing marijuana, but if you are a consenting adult, do as you wish. You know, same thing with alcohol, like, you know, you talked about knowing the limit. You know, I know my limit, I know all I need is one, and I'm good, and I'm chilling. like, I don't like to be cheated. It, it's, we live in this, to this world where, I mean, I've gone to these, in, in the rap shows myself, but we live in this world where it's kind of like, it's become acceptable for these rappers to get super fucking baby on stage, and then they forget their lyrics, and it's, I, I don't know, I think a big piece of this is we need to raise the bar in hip-hop culture, but also, yeah, it also, it does come down to also the pharmaceutical industry as a whole is very toxic, um, I think, I think they're, they're partially to blame and, and they, again, you know, these record labels I think that Atlantic Records especially, fuck them there's, there, there are so many things And I remember Jay Cole had a line he said he would need 20 CDs to blame everybody He' blame the system but what I think too, what it also comes down to is individual responsibility you know, as in like what, like what I heard about he for, you know, him dying from taking 40 percocets because he was afraid the police were going to catch him and then in the same article, I read that there's 70 pounds of weed on this private plane. I'm confused. I'm like, so wait,
0: like, he took all these Percocets and he had, a, like, he had a weight on his plane. Right. Honestly, like, the story just didn't add up to me. I'm like, there has to be something more
1: to this, you know, and it's it's just really weird to think, you know. I know I'm off on a tangent, but... No, what no, happened?
0: you're, you're good, stupid. man yeah the the thing is too is 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 a, and the the post that i had originally was about accountability right like putting people in your circle you know haven't like there there's not one person in your crew that's like yo putting 70 pounds of weed are we really gonna smoke all this are we sure how long are we gonna be here like it's you gotta surround yourself with, with at least a couple no men, right? Like, the opposite of yes-men, that are like, oh, I'm on the crew, like, I'm getting paid now, like, my boy made it. Yeah, I'm just gonna do whatever he wants to do. The real friends are gonna be like, yo, chill the fuck out. Yo, those perks, fucking, let's go to the bathroom and fucking flush them. We can probably find a connection, like, you know, I'm kind of thinking like, as a smart individual, right? I know the fear is there, like, oh, fuck, I, I just landed, I wanna fucking go to jail, right? But, you gotta have some people that that are smart that care about you like yo don't fuck, don't take those like don't take all those you know how much like I don't know man it, it there there's a lot of things that you could say like back and forth like oh well, we could have done this and should have done that but these guys need some like not a handler but they need people on their circle that that and I'm not saying his crew didn't care about them. But when you're blinded by the success of someone in, in your little circle that makes it, you're like, well, who am I? Right? Who am I to say what this guy can do and what they can't do? And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It's another artist that uh, I actually really enjoyed. I know a lot of um, hardcore hip hop fans, they were like, uh, who is Juice World? But, I mean, you know, you know, you know, as well as I do, a lot of these new artists. They're just learning, you know. Right now, they're they're young and they're getting into the game, and um, you know they're they're new, and they're they're developing as individuals, and it's another life lost, and and you you know as well as I do that that's never fun whether you're a celebrity or not. Um, You know, the preservation of life is is important to me, and especially when, you know, he has a mom. You know, he has family members that are going to have to live with, you know, the what-ifs, what could have we done different, What you know, and, and that's just unfathomable. Just as a father, you know, thinking about, you know, my kids are going to grow up one day, and they're going to make mistakes, and they're going to, you know, they're going to go on their way you know as a parent i'm like all right i need to try to do everything that i can and if something happens to them then you feel like a moral responsibility like oh i must have messed up somewhere down the line so um yeah it's i feel like we lost a lot of artists this year compared to other years i could be totally wrong but i felt like every few weeks it was something new with some other other rapper or you know Artist, I'm just like, man, like this stuff has to stop.
1: Yeah, and, and it's especially in, the, in these past few years, you know, because um, in 2017 we lost Little Pete, 2018 we lost Triple <clears> X, <throat> and then coming, and we also lost Mac Miller in the same year, 2019, we've lost, we Juice World. And, and it's sad, you know, because even going back, you know, like stories have a, I mean, news has surfaced that, <clears throat> you know, about uh, Mac Miller's drug dealer X and Y, all this and that. But really, I, th- I think what what comes what what gets to me, is I feel like artists, like deep down, they have a fear. Like any any artist, if you could take it back to Jimi Hendrix, you know, like like rock and roll before before hip hop really even existed. If we take it back to rock and
0: roll, we take it back to the blues. Drugs were always a prominent thing. Right. In the blues world, her- heroin
1: was very common. Uh, marijuana was common. You know, so many things were common. You know, Jimi Hendrix had a notorious issue with heroin. Um, you know, so, so many artists and uh, Jim Morrison had drug problems.
0: Yeah. Know, of course, cocaine. Right. It, and it, it, it's crazy to think, too. I feel
1: like, yeah, this is what Like, because Juice World, well, and we have talked about this, but he had a song where he talked about the 21 uh, year club and this and that. And that, that tricks me because I'm currently 21 years old. And I'm just putting out this project where I feel comfortable in my skin. So I could just imagine where, if, if a couple of years ago, if I got signed to a major deal and I'm not a fully developed artist, because let's be honest here, Triple X, Juice WRLD, Little Pete, they, they weren't at their best potential, potential-wise. They had a lot of potential to be great. And it's, it just, what gets to me is that, I think pressure pressure mixed with influence mixed with, you know, well, what is considered cool? The people around you—it's—it's it's like a perfect concoction for, for um, uh, just, just chaos. And I, I think that you know, if we can learn anything from the depth of Juice World or from the passion of, you know, Missy Hustle, whoever it may be, I think hmm, what we should learn is that you know, that there's there's so much more to life than just I don't know making music about just this, this material shit, whether surface level you know? Yeah. And I think that, whatever, I think too, in these past couple of years, we I feel like there could be another genre of hip-hop called emo rap or sad rap, because it's kind of, it's been popularized to be depressed at some point, to a degree. Like, depression has been popularized, and as someone who has been depressed and kind of, you know, still gets it, I think every human on this planet fucking like goes through depression that... I think when people try to popularize it, and like for instance, I feel like hmm, sometimes, I'm not gonna say names, but certain artists are not genuine when they talk about mental health. Certain artists are not genuine, and like that's what gets to me. It's like I know they're full of shit, and I know that they're doing it just so they could get a grab at a fan base. And um, I mean, I'll say his name, fuck it, Logic. Like Logic, like you know, the 1-800 record, at first I'm like, oh, he really cares, but then uh, I listen to what i saying now, you know, he did that strip club record where uh, he says, "You know, one in a hundred, then I killed a pussy." Who can relate? I listen to that. And I'm like, that's such a corny fucking line. And also, he, he talked about I don't know the the documentary. He was crying like the song so much. It, How I feel about points is this: like, if, if if people are really coming from that place, it has to be genuine. Yeah, well, I can't do it. Yeah, no, I
0: agree. I agree.
1: I don't know. These kids are just way too. They're way too impressive
0: yeah. yeah, and I mean going back, going back to Logic, um, I'm kind of glad that you mentioned his name because you know I think, um, and and I've been conflicted. I enjoy Logic as an artist, but the the I I feel like there was a change. I felt like when he got the pay for Def Jam, I felt there was like a shift. Like, okay, are you gonna be conscious rap? Or are you gonna be like, what are you trying to accomplish? And I th- he is, he's he got a lot of hit records, um, and I respect him as, as an artist, um, but it's like, come on, man. You, you talk about the struggle about being half white, half black, and never being accepted in either community, and, oh, I had this anxiety attack. Let me make her a song about it. And you make this... you. He won an award for that song, right? 1-800, uh, the suicide song. I mean, it's like... Yeah, Grammy. Yeah, Grammy. It's like okay, man, like what are you trying to play? Like what game are you playing? And it could be innocent. It could just be a coincidence that, you know, he's he he's changing up, but most likely he's he's kind of feeding into the big machine again. And it's not and I I felt that um I felt that with Chance the Rapper too and I love Chance but it's like all right man you made 10 days right and it's a classic and now you're you're speaking on gospel and that's totally fine that's totally fine but what who are you are, are is this the artist that you're going to be because I want to listen to Chance the Rapper the rapper not the gospel artist and um but yeah with with logic i just i feel like when i listen to stuff i'm like all right who are you like i feel like i'm losing i'm losing who i thought you were um because when i was like oh he's going to be upbeat positive and then um he makes a bunch of songs um kind of clowning that the the 1-800 song and i'm like okay man like that puts you that puts you mainstream dude like you're biting the hand that fed you um but yeah, and then the whole biracial thing, like, dude, we fucking get it. I think Johnny Lucas even called him <laughs> out. Was like, dude, like, all right, we fucking get it, bro. You're half white, half black. Like, okay, he looks white. That's and you, yeah, and you look white. All right, we fucking get it, bro. Like, are you trying to prove that you're black? Like, is that is that is that what you're doing? Is that why you're in? You know. Um, but yeah, I just that that whole that mental health and but what i am glad about though in the in the greater scheme of things at the macro level is that i think mental health especially with males um i think is really coming to the forefront i see a lot more traction on social media and people talking and, and men talking about um mental health because it used to be a stigma and it still is a stigma in certain cultures like the man is supposed to be the man we don't give a fuck if you have problems you're the man right so but mental fucking health is real man fucking anxiety attacks i mean we get them like we're not immune to um the stresses and the pressure in life and, and you know not being sexist or, or, and whatnot but it's like men have a lot on their plate you know we got to provide for the family we got to be the hunter you know we have to make sure that The make sure our families and our communities are are well off, and you know people look to us for guidance. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen with females because it most certainly does. But the generality is the man, you know, pays for the meal. The man's supposed to open the door. The man's supposed to take care of his family. The man's supposed to do do these things. And those are the unwritten societal rules that um, that we have imposed on on males. Oh, but you have a problem? Yeah, no one cares, right? But I think right now, I mean, people are talking about it more. People are actually getting, like, real help. I know a couple of my friends, I'm not going to mention them on the podcast, but, you know, they get off of social media and then they come back. I'm like, where you been? They're like, I fucking went to an in treatment center. I'm fucking sad, and I don't know why, and I needed help. And I'm like, wow, I'm proud of you. You know, and I think that's what we need to promote more is, um, you know, if you do need help and you get it, like, yo, it's not you You, you didn't do a bad thing, you did a, a great thing you know, so um, kind of shedding light on that definitely mental health is real um, and I, I want to continue to promote that as well so, yeah, yeah that's and that
1: I mean, and, and I agree because, you know every, everything like you unpack right there is real because you know, even, I think anyone, you know, especially as that it, it's hard for us to come out and say, hey, we're unsure about shit, because it, it's, we, I mean, but, because it, it's this fear I carry, if I, if I come out and say, I'm kind of unsure about this, it, it feels like the world's gonna be like, what the fuck are you unsure, idiot? And I, I, I think we carry that, like, oh, I, I always have to know what the fuck is up, I always have to be on top of everything, I, I have to be the man, and I think, partially, I mean, a lot of it is ego. I think ego is, a, is a definitely, it has its place, but it can also be poisonous. And, you know, when there are people, like I said, you feel sad for no reason. It, I, I think sometimes it's crazy how yeah, there are things that even we don't know about ourselves, our subconscious knows. Yeah. But, but deeply, depression, depression is real, you know, and, and I think it's a balance, too. I think with men, um... I, know I was watching this video and it was very interesting and it was talking about how, you know, nowadays, like, I know there's the social justice warrior stuff and, and masculinity can be painted a certain way. There's toxic masculinity. I do think that there are, when it comes to masculinity, I don't think it should just be about, like, the superficial shit, you know, that people think of. It. It really, I think there was a quote where masculinity is just, it's kind of like a... It's like a, a bar that we hold up for men, like you meet this level, like how, how men should carry themselves. I'm not saying that you need to be stereotypical, play football and just fucking, you know, do all, uh, like whatever, it's not it shouldn't exactly be about can you power up a million pounds, that's not it. But I think it's uh, a standard of being a gentleman, you know, holding yourself upright, and also knowing when you need to get help, because that takes a man, and that takes a strong person to know, hey, I'm not good right now, I need need some help. And then, because that's some of the strongest shit you can do, because I talk to guys and they say, hey, I need help with this. I always tell them, I I tell them they're strong for asking these. For me, I I think growing up too, I I grew up with this mentality like, now I don't need anyone's help. You know, when I was going through high school and uh, you know, like a close family member in my household was on, like uh, my, my brother was on heroin, I didn't want to tell anyone. I genuinely and like this is the first time it's funny I've ever said this on a podcast, you know. But mainly, when I was going through high school, I didn't want to tell anyone about that shit. I didn't want to tell anyone that anything. I kept it inside for so long, and I, I think it felt like of course there were certain friends who knew, but even then they they knew how to keep things quiet. But mainly, I just kept that all internal because I just felt like damn, really, no one I can go to because I'm going to get judged. I'm going to be seen a certain way. If I, if, if you know, whatever is going on in my home life or whatever is going on here, but then when I got older and kind of stepped outside of myself and talked to people, I realized that it's much more relatable than that. And I think a lot of people are just so afraid of of you know like oh well you you're the worst out of all of us. But in reality, if people were to, like really talk about their troubles, like like
0: most people would be like that's all that's all you got, like. <laughs> But it's,
1: it's crazy you know right. I, mean, I, I think you know it, it's crazy that we're, um, we're we're scared you know to, to be open you know I think I think that's the thing and plus masculinity like is, I think it's not really measured in how stoic you are anymore I mean I can be a stoic guy but also it's like I have a girlfriend and it's like I can tell you just from my experience like like you know my girlfriend you know women in general they appreciate it when you can be tough when you can be stoic and you the stereotypical man whatever people think but they also appreciate it when you can open up because that shows you have layers because i remember this year i went to do the a physical exam for the firefighting test and i remember i was in a, it was like a physical you know uh like it was an obstacle course and i remember there was this guy in that and he kept on bragging and, and talking about. Is accomplishments and shit, and and here I am, and like I'm, I'm around a bunch of other men, and these other guys aren't bragging about anything. And if anything, and said, and they're joking, and it, it's it's really like what people think. I think what guys think is impressive, or what people think is masculinity, and, or oh, I'm just bragging about how much of a man I am. It's like yeah, real men, quote unquote, real men don't want to dress either. So I think. just kind of chill out and open up and and talk about some doubt, it's like I can tell you all the doubts I've had this year, I can tell you the doubts I have going into 2020, but mainly I sit down with a piece of paper and I write down my goals and I write down what do I want out of life, and I think that's a great way to really see where you're at and like see how you feel like, you know, I'll, I'll wake up in the morning, I'll pop up my journal and I'll write, you know, how do I feel mentally, how do I feel physically, spiritually, emotionally, you know, what is the plan today? What, what are my goals? And, you know, it really just comes from, like, what, what are we aiming for? You know, man, right. woman, uh, anything. I, I just think people just, they shouldn't be afraid to open up, you know, and just be honest with themselves, because it's, like, cortisol, like, cortisol, even in the, like, I named my fucking album after a stress like, right. Like, right. that's how real it is. So, it, it's, um, it, it can tank you on a chemical level, but mainly... I just want people to like know, like there is something you can do. You could, you know, work out. You get into jujitsu. You can do so much, like help ease your depression, you can work on music, whatever, work on a project. I think that that having goals, it, it, even Tyson Fury talked about this. Having goals can help neutralize your depression and your, and your problems somewhat. So I think that's one thing. You know, therapy. I, I definitely, you know, there's that as well. There are so many amazing things out there to do. You know, but overall mental health mental health is a, is a real problem you know in the world but in, in the states i think you know technology the new advent of social media there are so many more there are a lot of obstacles and hoops to jump through you know with people they don't feel pretty enough because just to be honest social media anyone could photoshop anyone can look sexy right you know what i mean anyone any yeah you know what i mean like anyone can look good on social media it doesn't matter <laughs> I mean it doesn't matter. so yeah, I that's think, why
0: so. uh, yeah, yeah, and that's why I don't like really taking pictures of myself and posting them on social media because I feel like all right, you've probably seen me a couple times, but like I want like take I take pictures of different things um, and then kind of backtrack uh, to your writing. Um, I think there's a direct correlation. I mean this has been scientifically studied as well. Um, there's a direct correlation to to kind of writing down thoughts, writing down goals, um, visualizing it as part of the you know manifestation of you know of what you're going to be doing is is visualizing it, writing it down. Um, that's part of the process. And what I th- what I think and you know what these uh, these um, professionals say and know is that when you write it down, it doesn't. It's not just a thought anymore. It's actually, uh, you know, it's it's a manifestation. It's something that it's it's you're holding yourself accountable by writing it down. And it's something that's really small, but it can turn out, you know, if you're writing your goals down every day, you know, you're not going to try to veer away from that. You're going to look you're going to ask yourself is what I'm doing right now? Going to accomplish my goals in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, and then, what was the other thing that I kind of want to backtrack on for you as well? Um, toxic masculinity. We, as a culture, we like to compartmentalize things and give things um, big words. But toxic masculinity is really just an asshole, right? I mean, they, it, yeah. It's just an <laughs> asshole. It's not it, not every man is has toxic masculinity. Not every man is is an asshole, but assholes exhibit toxic masculinity. I mean, just like women, women can be assholes, you know. But to compartmentalize like pretty much anything at that greatest scale, you know, whether it's based on re- race, sex, um, you know, religion, creed, or whatever it is. Um, it's a very dangerous platform, and it's because. And what happens when you kind of compartmentalize people or anything of that nature at that scale? The the window of conversation ends, um, and then there. I mean, that's what we see now with like the political landscape, which is something that we're uh, that I briefly want to talk about. But when you close that door to conversation. And then you just surround yourself with the same type of people. That's when your perspective becomes narrow and more narrow. And until you believe, like, that's why why I feel about, like, small town people. Like, you ever meet somebody, like, super small town, they never left, and they have the same views that they had in high school or middle school or wherever. I see those people. And I try having conversations with those people. And I mean, I've traveled, the I've traveled the world. I've ate exotic foods. I've met with different people with, from different backgrounds, um, and had conversations with these people and different religions. And you gain so much more perspective that we're not, you know, it's not that ethno, uh, ethnocentric values that a lot of Americans kind of hold. Where we're like, oh, we're Americans, and and we're we're the best. Well, we're not really not, you know. And and we might be better at a lot of things than other countries, but have you met somebody else from a different place? Have you had conversations? Well, fuck that. I don't, I don't got time for that. I'm American, and if you're not American, you can get the fuck out. And that type of mentality is what kills the conversation.
1: And, and yeah, it's funny, you know, those people, I really, I feel sad for because, you know, they're just themselves of you know, experience because, you know, um, even, even now I live in this place called San Morgan and uh, I, I don't even, I, I want to move out, you know, because I, I've grown up here for the majority of my life, but mainly it, it's insane because my roots, my, my father is originally from California and my mom is originally from Philadelphia. So I, I have East Coast roots, and, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of helped balance me out because growing up here, I always felt like there was, like, this weird passive-aggressive energy and, and a lot of, there's, like, I don't know how to put it. This is the a, a kind of place where a lot of people come to retire. So there's a, it can, it can have a real conservative vibe. You know what I'm saying? So growing up, I, I grew up around a lot of, um, I don't know, like, I, I, like, for instance, you know, for example, like, I, there are a lot of people here who think that their perception is the end-all be-all and they're right, <clears throat> I think that the problem that comes with that is, you know, that they just haven't gotten outside of the box enough. I mean, I've been blessed enough where it's like I've been able to go to the East Coast, I've been, I've been able to go to Canada, and when I was a baby, I don't know if this was a good idea, when I was a baby, my parents took me to Mexico, you know, so it's like, um, I mean, I got roots all over, you know, and, but I... I, I've been able to, I think Canada was a really cool, cool, because I really got to see a place where it's like, man, like, it's a big metropolitan city, but, like, there's, like, this air of respect in the air, because it's cold, and people have to stick together, and I think that was really cool, but, I, just growing up, I, I think, yeah, you know, having a closed in view, whether it's about anything, like, like, I'm not a very political person, I will not say I'm on the right, I don't say I'm on the left, I just kind of say I'm, I'm odd like, I just try to do what's good, so, what people, like, I'm all about practicality here, so, how I feel about, like, a lot of, uh, you know, falsified problems, and a lot of, um, what is it, kind of like outrage culture, cancel culture, you know, there's certain sort of names for it, and taking it back to toxic masculinity, it's like, yeah, it, it does make me sad, because if someone's like, listen, I enjoy combat sports i love to watch mma and i enjoy you know practicing jiu-jitsu and and i think sometimes like if i tell people i do jiu-jitsu there can be a little thing in their head and i can notice it where it's like oh they kind of look at me like they they picture the usc they picture someone getting all bloody and i want to that's why like if ever i introduce someone to jiu-jitsu i want to show them the art of it i want to show them the actual like the techniques because It's so easy to think on the surface of shit. I think it's so easy to think on the surface of, oh, that's Brutish or if we talk about, um, you know, we could talk about anything, uh, drugs, so that's an inappropriate topic. Well, if you don't talk about these things, you're always going to be inappropriate. Like, and Life is like life is not appropriate. Let's be honest here. Life doesn't live on appropriate inappropriate either. Life is what it is. It's random. It's chaotic at points. If it doesn't care about plans. So we have um. You need to have a plan B and a plan C to maneuver the chaotic factors. But I I think I know I'm off on a tangent. But, but deeply, you know, you know, just as a person, it's like I just growing up these past years, I, I've got, I've I've gotten to see you know people's you know, prejudice of always. I've seen racism, I've seen um, sexism, you know, I've seen uh, homophobia, and all, and all of these things, I just see, it comes from a very ignorant place, it can come from a hateful place, but I think the true, I think the true way to suffocate that is by experience, by loving life, to a degree, loving people where, you know, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine. And he's Hispanic and he said that he went you know, he's a younger he's a young Hispanic guy and he said that he was getting some coffee and some guy walked up to him and said, Hola, señor and I he told after he told me that story, I'm just like, "Whoa, you're 22 or something. Like it's, it it just it just felt weird because like this guy, he's grown up in the States and for him to still get treated like, oh, he is an American when he's grown up in the States, he's gone he's attended our schools, he's been through our education system and to see how certain people want to wanna to treat him it, it, it makes my blood boil Or uh, when, I'm, when I'm out with my girlfriend You know, because I'm in a mixed relationship She's black I get to see how people react And it's really opened my eyes Like, oh, okay, I see I yeah. see your little <clears throat> thing I see, I see your thing I see, like, Even like, little interactions the grocery stores you, you get to see people Yeah, like, just, the, yeah just the looks Show who they are You yeah. know what
0: I mean? Yeah, you see the looks. Um, I mean, I've been in, I've been in um, interracial relationships with, uh, with you know, girls before, and yeah, the looks you get is just astounding. Um, the comedian in me, if I was a Hispanic and someone said "Hola, señor," I would pop off with all my Spanish just to see if they were just <laughs> being an asshole. Yep. But, and the hard thing is, is you got to feel the body language, too, because there's certain situations, and I, I run into this because I try to study Spanish, especially, like, if I go on a trip to Mexico, like, I want to try to kind of, you know, adapt to their culture. So, like, I'll, I'll try to speak in Spanish, and they'll understand, like, oh, this guy's not a Spanish-speaking person. Um, but a lot of cultures actually try to, pre- they appreciate that because they're like, oh, this guy's, um, he's trying to learn learn the ways um, of our of our culture and our language, um, and the, they'll correct me. And I have a very limited vocabulary in Spanish, but I'm able to like have like a, a pretty basic conversation. And then I get kind of stuck on certain words. But um, I yeah, the comedian in me would have just popped off like serious, super Spanish. And then if he wouldn't have understood it, then I would have just sworn in at him like in Spanish. He wouldn't even know. Him. But, yeah, it's a big problem. Um, I always think about race, like racism, and, like, how do we combat it? And I think the simple answer is you can't. Um, If there's a group of people and then there's another group of people, because I thought I was like, well, what if everyone was interracial? Like, what if it was, like, a law, like a crazy law that you had to procreate with uh, the opposite sex that was... Uh, different color than you, then we would have light skin versus dark skin, right? Like there would be because uh, I mean that's the thing in in black culture too, is the light skin versus the black skin, uh, you know. And I think a lot of it's just like you know the the badgering and the the all oh, making fun of, but that's that's kind of racist, like <laughs> uh, in in a it sense. Is so it's like I, I yeah. tribalism I, yeah and it's because we want to be part of a team um, and I think that's a big thing with the political landscape right now is we're, we're you're on one of two teams and I think some of my best friends I mean you're included in that are we're very practical in our thinking you know there's some things that we agree with some things we don't agree with but the bottom line is we just want to be prosperous like we we want to make the decisions that are going to best suit the longevity of our lives and and making it better and like those things that those are what I care about and those are what most people care about. But then you get these talk heads on on you know CNN, CNBC, Fox News, and they're just 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 throwing fucking shit. Back and forth, and and then the the sides that are on those teams. If your if your parents were Republican or your grandparents were Republican, like uh, this is what I love about the holidays. Is you kind of go in there, and I'm non-secular. I don't care. Like I there's things I agree with. Like I agree with you know. A gun. I think there should be some type of gun control. I think you should be able to carry a gun, you know, hold it, you know, be able. To, but do I think everyone should have a gun? No. <laughs> you know, I don't think everyone should have one, you know. And, you know, I feel like people want to make simplistic answers for complex problems and then they run with it. No, no guns or all guns. And I'm like, well, we should probably meet in the middle somewhere. And they're like, no, get the fuck out of the room. And you're like, oh, okay. And, you know, I just I I want prosperity. I want people to be happy. Um, And whatever decisions that are going to make that happen for everyone, I think should be the answer. And to be honest, like when I talk to people especially the ones that kind of had that narrow perspective, it makes me very doubtful that that'll ever happen until the robots take over, which will happen. What happened? With the robots, they're going to take over eventually. Oh, oh shit.
1: All right. I I misheard you for a sec. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that is pretty interesting. I
0: know, like AI is definitely like a trip. That 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 shit keeps me up at night a little bit here and there. Well, yeah, I mean, that. fucking Joe Rogan, fucking Elon Musk, fucking uh, Microsoft, man, they're all scared of fucking AI. I mean, but they keep making it. If, you know, I mean,
1: smart. If smart people are scared of AI, that that means that means I should be worried. Do you Yeah, because I mean? I'm like, I know I'm not as smart as these tech as these type people you know and that that's why if, if they have something to say it makes me think about it you know Even, it, it's tough because I'm not always good at articulating um, arguments for uh, science you know because I'm not a scientist but <clears throat> you know, what does interest me about AI is how is it going to affect um, I mean music you know it does I think how like because I've had this conversation you know with my girlfriend about virtual reality and how it's going to affect uh, how people perform uh, how artists. I don't really know it's really crazy the the future and how it's looking like 2020 I'm really excited for you know because I I think we're going to see a bunch of innovation in every area but I think music I I, I had this idea I did this podcast and it was titled Should Music Be Free? and I was trying to draw parallels because Nicola tested that electricity is like a basic human right that it should be free like water and that you shouldn't have to pay for it or any of these utilities and that electricity you, you should just be able to access it at any point almost like it's in the air and i feel like with music all of it it's it, it, it's able you can stream music at any second and you know the, the, you can you can use these platforms but i genuinely think that that the days of you know going to the store buying an album I, i'm looking at my CD rack i guarantee you this is like this is going to be rare like a vinyl collection eventually and i, I have this feeling deep down that music is, is going to become free. I think it's going to be much more of a free thing. And I think it, it's beautiful because I, I think, yeah, there's going to be ad placement and all of this and that. But I genuinely think that as far as artists trying to make financial gains from selling music, I think that's not going to work out. And my mentality is, especially with how I'm approaching my next project is, I want to put it out with the option. You can buy it. I'm also going to put it out for free. And it's kind of like a thought experiment I'm trying to do with. I'm saying it doesn't hurt me if you don't buy it. You know what I mean? If you buy it, thank you. But if you just you know, you know, just download it, thank you. And I think where I'm coming from is I think music should be almost like, a, your album should be like an advertisement to go see you live. And then that's where you can make the money and recoup it. But again, it, it really, it goes against the business plan of a lot of these record labels. So that's why I feel like record labels they're dying. You know, I think right. I think record labels are
0: dying. Like and that's that's what I wanted to see. Yeah, my um my thoughts on that. Um I have I have thought for a long time that that the I mean, I've pirated a lot of music. Okay. So if the FBI is listening, uh, there you go. There's my there's my but I've I've taken a lot of music. But what I have done as well, um, and this was before, like, the big digital where you could, you know, I have Apple Music, so they're getting royalties some way. But before that occurred, I would I would download an album, I would listen to it, and if I really enjoyed it, then I went out and bought it to support the artist. And I think that's what you're really drawing that parallel to is like, hey, if you like it, support me. On whether buying some merchandise whether you know because like I think the the artists need to just become a little bit more creative which I mean we're seeing it now with them having merchandise um, I mean they're they're uh, monetizing their YouTube channels they are they are you know doing the live shows still um, but they just need you know, artists that are stuck in the the old way of you know joining a record label Um, getting the advance putting the project together and trying to you know trying to get the royalty off of it um i think those days you know they're not gone yet but i think they will be especially when you have services like soundcloud where if you're just if you want to just put out music you don't need any permission you just fucking hit the submit button and then it's there for people you know with youtube and and um you know instagram facebook all the social media platforms snapchat they're able to to find different ways to make money fuck it do a pop-up shop somewhere you know where if you're big enough you just be like hey i'm gonna be at this place tonight come come through um adam 22 he's a uh, you know who he is he's like a he's like a podcaster as well does does um youtube shit he interviews a lot of like um The new school artist but I mean, he does pop up shops. You know, sells merchandise. The no jumper merchandise. Oh yeah, Adam. Yeah, like he's you know that's where the artists need to go, and then getting on podcast I think is a huge thing now. Is is you know nothing is going to promote you better than getting on the Joe Rogan's podcast. Nothing. I would rather spend money to go on his podcast than to like do an advertisement on tv or radio or or be a part of a huge label because i bet he'll sell you more units um just you know uh, of all of his active listeners me being one of them just i mean i listen to his podcast pretty much every day or every other day um so yeah that's i think you're right um music I think should uh, it should be free um, if you're in the aspect of trying to make money off of the record labels. Um, good for you, you know, if you're making money in that avenue. But um, I think off the top of my head, Chance the Rapper is like one of the first people that kind of come to mind where he kind of broke that um, publicly where he, you know, would release mixtapes for free. They wouldn't nominate him for any awards. And then um, comes, uh, what was that, 3? Uh, Did he get nominated for, um, we? I can't remember off the top of my head, but he, he won a Grammy pretty much off of a mixtape. And that really set the standard that we don't need these huge record labels. All you really need is, is a good team behind you um, and be passionate and make the money off of the you know make money off ad revenue make money off of the um the shows that you're doing the merchandise and you'll be alright yeah and and Chance the Backer
1: definitely is an interesting case because I mean I I followed his career because I was a I remember 10 Day, and I, I remember when Acid Rap came out, I especially took a liking to that project. It was in high school. When I, I was in high school when that came out, and listening to that, I was like, man, like this dude, okay, if he stays at this pace, and, you know, of course, he's going to have all of probably not going to take acid this whole life, I get it. But I think what did freak me out, though, is, like, I felt like Chance the Rapper, once he did get a lot of success, I think what changed him. I think his ego got a little big because after he started doing Kit Kat commercials and shit, I don't know. I think his music, he, he I whatever, whoever was on his team, I feel like they made him become more Disney.
0: Yeah, I no, I agree. It, it's
1: like, you know what I mean,
0: right? Like, I agree. I agree. Um, and I think that's happened over the last uh, few few years where he kind of. Where you listen to him now, and it's not the the. I mean, he's still clever. Um, I still like I like his voice, um, but he's speaking a different tune now. He's doing shows now, and I I don't know, man. I think it's just part of it. I mean, as a hip hop like head, I know people like kind of want to hate on that, like oh now you're a big shot, now you got the ego, but I think it comes with it. I mean, to be honest, if I was in if I was in those shoes and someone was like, hey man. If you want to do a commercial with KitKat, that's how much they're gonna pay you. I'd have a hard time just fine not doing it, especially if I am putting out this music for free and trying to get, you know, trying to live the lifestyle that I'm living and do these things. So, if yeah, fucking Ti and, and Cardi B are like, hey, we're doing this show, this is how much they're gonna pay us. I'm like, fuck, um, sign me up. So, I mean, to play devil's advocate, I I agree with you. But I'm not gonna hate him getting his money. Um, nor you know, when whenever you get your own own spin off television show, I I'm gonna be like, Man, my my guy made it <laughs> and, and,
1: and I, I agree with you because Chance the Rapper, I definitely like like listen I was I was on Chance the Rapper before anyone in my school was on man. I remember like listening like can Lamar, Chance the Rapper. A lot of these people were in my high school, it was more of a preppy white uh, high school that I went to, and I used to live on the other side of the track, so I was listening to a lot of mixtapes, so I played in the season, like, I don't get it, and then when they became popular, I was like, I get it, but mainly with, with um, the Kit Kat commercial, I, I didn't really have an issue, because like, we're have been doing advertisements forever, so I didn't have an issue with him doing a Kit Kat commercial, I just felt like his attitude, as far as like, when he released the Big Day album, let me just talk about that, and there was a point where I, I, I'm not hating on him like as far as him getting money being successful I applaud that right. I want him to make money you know I want him to do well and I, actually, I still like some of the songs I think what kind of got me was I felt like I don't know what it was but it, it's it's like this it's like when you go on YouTube and you go to the main homepage or, not, or what's trending it's, it's mainly shit for kids right and with Chance the Rapper what got to me was he used to, I, I I guess it was feeling like, I felt like he really dumbed down his lyrics, he dumbed down everything to almost appeal the kids like how these YouTube used to do, like how they edit their videos in a specific way, and how it all, it, it just, it felt too similar. You know, it didn't really feel as genuine, and, and I maybe with the religion and, and all that, but even then, I, I guess it was like this feeling in my heart like, I don't think this is coming from an authentic, authentic place. And, and also there was this notorious tweet he did where he said all of my day one fans go eat a dick and i think that was another thing where i was like all right so you're telling all of your older fans the people who are your foundation you're telling them to go eat a dick because they might have some criticism for you and and the thing is i, I don't care if you want to do a gatorade sprite commercial or Kit Kat commercial hip-hop fans don't care as much with like rappers i think I don't know, maybe rappers put on themselves, but when Moto Yagi did a Spike commercial, I didn't think he wasn't deserving. I right. think all these guys are deserving of the money they get. I just was at a point where I am just thinking, damn, like, and, and when his album wasn't successful, the big day album wasn't as successful sales-wise or commercially, well, it kind of comes down to, like, well, you, you fucking kind of, you, you drifted away from... Your, your original home base to a degree
0: right and I think that's the issue because guess what kids don't go and buy albums yeah kids no I albums. I agree with that a lot I, I agree with um when uh when you kind of go the commercial route you mm-hmm. for for whatever reason kind of lose the spark you lose the creativity I, I mean you see it across the board not even with rappers but I mean you see it with fighters you see it with you know successful people when they get that when they get to the pinnacle and they are like oh I'm I'm good now I'm I'm eating and now I'm getting fat right and you just lose that drive you lose that hunger and I think that's just I, I think that's really the cycle um, and then you know you get some artists you get some people that that they notice it and they actually care they care about their persona and then they you know they they come back they do a comeback right so true um i think eminem is a classic example for that especially when he's done it like three times when he's like hey i know that last album sucked but now i'm back on these rappers but and you do it like a couple of times throughout your career um speaking of eminem what do you think about this nick cannon beef yeah you know you know it's crazy i haven't
1: been following it that closely i i've uh, i haven't heard nick Cannon do this track i did hear
0: part of what Eminem said, but I, when a lot of it resurfaced, I just kind of thought like, wait, again? like That's what I, so it. when, when I saw like, that No one asked for this, like So when I saw that, like that it was like, because it was like on Twitter, and I was kind of following it, and I listened to uh, I mean, it kind of put out like two different diss tracks and both of them weren't good um, They were like a collab so yeah, had like the Wallin' Out guys come and, and diss Eminem um charlie clips probably had the best lines um but like i'm like these guys have like what are they doing is there i I thought it was a promo i'm like man this is a promo wall out is probably doing something and they want to kind of promote it who better to try to battle with than eminem right i mean for the most part he seems untouchable um and anybody that kind of battles him is going to get some air time um and then uh, obviously it was in response to Eminem's track, um or his feature on uh what was a Fat Joe's Fat Joe's uh song. Which I mean yeah. I think he only did like one or two lines and that was that. But um yeah, then it just went back on Twitter and a back and forth. I don't think Eminem has made like a full response yet as of as of now. I know there's uh there's a rapper, I he, he's called Stan, and he sounds just like Eminem, and I thought it was actually Eminem's diss track because um, he sounds just like Eminem, and it actually was pretty good. And I was like, uh, I mean, just let, just let him deal with it. But it's just kind of funny. I'm just kind of waiting to see what kind of happens. Allegedly, Eminem is dropping an album shortly, so I hope that's the case because maybe... Uh, maybe we'll get some more fire um, other than that I don't think I've really heard anything that's really sparked my interest um, I think last time we talked I mean Joyner Lucas he's one of my like go to rappers now he released a new track but I don't know why he's doing what he's doing cause I don't, is he, so Joyner Lucas he's like releasing each song like individually but it's all part of ADHD and I feel like he's losing, like, momentum when he does that. Like, if, whenever he decides to release this whole, record, or this whole album, everyone's going to be like, yeah, we already heard all these songs. So, this song's like, you know, one of his songs is like a year old by now, I think. And I'm just like, I hope you don't put this on this album. But it's part of the whole ADHD set, so... I don't know about that. Um... One other thing I wanted to really talk to you about uh, is obviously jujitsu. How's that, how's that going? Have you uh, z- still going actively? Um,
1: oh yeah, I'm still getting after. Um, I took a couple of days this week because uh, I'm getting ready for a tournament next month. Uh, mainly, uh, yeah, jujitsu is a wonderful because for me, um, there there are points you know like like when you overtrain and shit, it, it just becomes so much of a grind. But it was funny. I remember listening to a podcast. Um, my, my, my professor, James Popolo, uh, he's a legit, uh, really good black belt under Rafael Lovato Jr. He's, uh, he's won no-key worlds. He's, uh, he's definitely he's a, he's a legit champion. And I remember listening, I decided I wanted to do more homework on him, so I was listening to a podcast. He was saying that when he feels like he doesn't want to train, that's how he knows he's overtrained and I've had that feeling a lot. And so I took a couple of days to let my body heal and my uh-huh. mind. Kind of heal because I was training so much. And then, you know, yesterday I was going to train and, I, like, like intensively, I'm a blue belt and I have this fear of if, oh, I take a little bit of time, I'm going to get worse. But mainly, I think sometimes, you know, we, we need room to ruminate. We need time to ruminate. But training has been good, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really getting better just about man, taking care of my body. I mean, my diet has been pretty good, but just more yoga. More yoga, taking care of myself because I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually trying to pack on more weight. But I'm, I'm a fairly skinny guy. I'm five eleven and I walk around at one fifty five. So, I mainly it's just just changing up, changing up things. Like you know, if I if I go up against someone stronger and heavier than me, I can't exactly just try to do certain maneuvers. I got to move around them instead of going towards per se and. Working with people like me who are skinny and long, it's kind of like okay, I'm, I, I, it's like I'm fighting a mirror because like they're gonna try to use their reach and length, you know, keep me on the outside. So mainly uh, just with, with me and my jiu-jitsu, just a lot of a lot of training, a lot of drilling, and just for me, I, I, I think this year I've kind of had the chance to fall in love with them again. I had the sorry. I think someone was trying to
0: call me. No, um, sorry. Right.
1: I had I had the chance to fall in love with Jitsu again because we have these uh, new new crops of white belts and they're super chill. And I get to have moments where I get to show them stuff, and it makes me feel good because I remember being in that place where it's like, oh, please show me something, and it's fun for me, you know.
0: Yeah. Um. How it's, when you were talking about kind of like burning out, how many days a week are you training?
1: Let's see like
0: like on a regular like on a regular like on an average week how many times a week are you going like when you're healthy when you feel mentally and physically healthy
1: let's see so so I think for me four day training um four days a week um consistent consistently um is is definitely something I can do and sometimes I could, I could ramp it up but mainly what I what I try to do is this so I, um, I I try to take time and show my girlfriends and show us some techniques and it helps me retain more because you're, you're teaching. But I think um, what, I, what I was doing originally why I got burnt out was I was like training at some point this year. I was training maybe five, six days a week. Honestly, I think there was a the point where I was almost doing like every day because I would go in and do wrestling on Sunday. So I would do this wrestling uh, class for a couple hours on Sunday because I was really just trying to break my plateau. So this earlier, this like, for like eight months, I was kind of breaking my body down, just training a lot, whether it was six days a week, seven days a week, five days a week. Now I've kind of found, found this happy medium where if I go in four days a week and five days pops, I can, you know, I can balance it out. So maybe two, one day or two days out of the week, I'll have some hard sparring sessions and I'll just try to you know, see you know, what I can do and just brush my ass you know, working with higher belts and, and you know, people on my level. And then there are days like uh, yesterday where I went in, and it was just a lot of just, you know, technique, talking with my instructors, uh, rolling with the higher belts, asking what I could do better. And it, it really does come down to how you train, like gold in mind. Um, I remember Rafael Lovato Jr. I uh, attended his seminar. He's one of the nicest guys ever. He's a belt to a middleweight champ currently. And I asked him about uh, what it takes to prepare for a competition. and. One thing he said that really resonated with me was, he said, have gratitude, you know, be thankful and appreciate the experience. So mainly I'm just trying to appreciate the experience more and take a step back because I know the purple belt is going to come if I just know what I'm doing. So I'm not really as, I'm not thinking as much about the next belt. I'm mainly just thinking about, okay, I'm I'm happy when I'm out. I can deal with it. And, you know, at the end of the day, my ego has died more so doing jiu-jitsu because it's, you know, like like I said, my first few years were really rough. It was just a lot of me getting manhandled by bigger people, me feeling like I had to roll with bigger people to prove something. Now I'm just at a point where I feel like I'm getting technically more sound, you know, more comfortable. I am on, but It's Uh, just raising the bar for yourself, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm actually on the opposite opposite side of the spectrum because I'm a bigger guy and if you want your ego dem- demolished go in to jiu-jitsu as a big guy thinking that you're gonna like like before i started jujitsu, if i saw you and you're like yeah let's let's roll i'd be like i'm just gonna toss this guy around i get the other day, day i got choked out by like a 120 pound female right like it humbles you so much because it doesn't matter how big you are it really is just technique i mean the bigger person they have they have an athletic advantage because they're bigger but that doesn't mean that you're better because if that person can get you get on your back they can put you in a rear naked choke if you if you're going to try to ground and pound that person is going to lock up your arm and try to get you in a triangle and if they know what they're doing they're going to put the lights out so i mean when i first went in i went in with no ego because i understood that process and i i don't have a big ego as it is i mean i'm i'm a pretty humble guy um but i could tell when people go in there or like uh, if if someone were to go in there from like uh, a boxing you know boxing background and and is really good at boxing and then tries jiu-jitsu like they're gonna get tossed like they're gonna they're gonna wake up and they're gonna be like, what happened to I me?" Mean, they're like oh I just uh chucked you out it's all good um but no i really enjoy it i'm actually going twice a week now and what you kind of said before like kind of taking a little time off and you're afraid to uh you're afraid that you're gonna kind of lose a step um the like when it, like the holidays are getting pretty hectic so like 2 weeks ago i think it was or a few weeks ago was like the, the thanksgiving holiday and i had the kids and um just like my schedule didn't align with the classes for those days so i like missed a whole week of training and my my fear was like everything that i've learned so far like i'm going to be missing a step and i actually went in there probably had one of my better better classes because I mean my body was refreshed my mind was refreshed um I went in there you know cool comment collect and I actually like was I was actually choking people out and I, to my surprise I was like man like maybe sometimes like I, I don't want to get to overtra- like I don't want to get to the point where I feel like I'm overtraining but I am going to start like the new year with going to three four classes a week um just so I can get gain that extra knowledge um and then just you know, just try to stay healthy. I mean, have you had any? Have you had any sport injuries um, in jujitsu yet? Like any shoulders or knee issues? You
1: know, for the most part, I've been incredibly lucky because if I had to take, you know, this year, <laughs> I actually had to take time away like uh, two separate occasions. All right, so uh, it is funny. A lot of my injuries have not even happened in jujitsu. I mean, I've done tournaments, like I've done five tournaments and. There was one tournament in particular I did a gi and no P, um, both of the, the, you know, sides of the tournament, and I felt incredibly, like, the next day I was fatigued. But I didn't feel injured, you know. Um, I, I've been lucky where I haven't had injuries or anything. A lot of it has kind of been self induced where if I'm solar, I'm overtraining, not recovering, but I've, I've been lucky and uh, lucky enough where I have this, just, you know, I've almost snapped my arms, you know. And, and luckily, my training partners are really cool. But, um, uh, mainly, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> even the Jr. He told me he told uh, another student that he, he said that most of his students get injured playing basketball and skateboarding and shit. Which is funny because I remember I got an injury because I was a long. I, I used to be a, like little side. I used to be really good at longboarding. And uh, in the Salem, it's West Salem is no family, having crazy hills. So. so I used to be a daredevil. I used to climb hills and shit, but. I decided, me and my friend Malik, uh, Manjan and he's also on my project, Cortisol, we were at this park. And I'm like, I'm going to escape this little narrow uh, walkway. And I ended up eating shit, rolling well my ankle. And then my buddy, like Malik, he, he fucking ate shit. but he was not get injured. I, I, just, I rolled my ankle and I couldn't really walk on it. So I had to take time. And I, and I did come back and I trained, but even then it wasn't fully 100%. But it did, it, I just took it light but there was another instance where I got spun by a lock and my arm blew up uh, like Popeye and uh, <laughs> I said, Oh, right, it's probably best if I can't go in. Um, but mainly, um, yeah, like my best advice is like to like, uh, let's say in class because there are a few of my friends who have been injured. It really just comes down to, you know, picking who you roll with, uh, knowing, knowing the position you're in and knowing when to tap. Because especially if, um, if I'm dealing with a, someone like, like in tournament especially, you know, if you know that you're stuck, like if someone has me in a compromised position, like a D e bar or a really bad arm bar, okay, I, I got a tap, you know. It's, it's really just knowing where you're at, but... But mainly, a lot of it comes down to protecting yourself outside of class,
0: not and you're doing other your shit outside of class. Right. The yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I also agree with, um, like, when rolling. Um, I mean, the first couple of sessions that I had, I mean, I went full-fledged. Like, I was like, I'm going to destroy this person. But what you, like, come to realize is you're like, I'm not, like, this, this guy is not my enemy. I mean, this guy is, I need this guy healthy or this girl, regardless, you know, um, I need this person healthy because this person is going to help me get better. And and my job is to stay healthy too. And so I can make this person better. And it's a really, like, counterintuitive thing because when people, like, when I tell people, like, about jiu-jitsu, they're like, oh, so you, like, so you're, like, fighting and stuff. I'm like, yeah, but it's, like, a lot of the philosophy in it is, like, you're, you're, you're rolling as like like you said before it's like an art form it's like you're getting in these compromised positions and you're trying to like you're thinking like all right is it can i get out of this or is am i stuck and the, the i mean tap tap often tap early um is something that they really speak on is don't don't try if you're in an arm bar and you there's no way for you to kind of roll out of it safely just tap because it's not worth like if you're trying to just use a lot of force, then you're probably not practicing good technique and you're probably going to get injured. And I've seen that a couple times with a lot of the higher level guys that that go to my gym where they get, you know, where they're their purple belt and they're they're rolling with a with a brown belt. And I think that's when they start getting those really big egos uh, because they go like they go 100 percent. And I'm like, nope, not rolling with you, bud. no, you're going to fuck me up. Um, uh, so yeah, but I mean, I, I, I don't think jujitsu is for everyone, uh, but for everyone that does jujitsu, I feel like there's something in it, um, uh, for them, uh, whether it's, you know, if you, if you have an ego issue, whether you, um, you, you need patience, which is something that I've learned a lot is I think I've been a pretty patient guy. Um, I think it comes with three kids. You know, you, you, you get a lot of experience in the patience field, but, I mean, when I'm, when somebody's on top of me and they're 200 plus pounds, you know, I used to, like, freak out. And, like, you feel, like, claustrophobic in a way. Like, you're trapped. But when you're able to kind of just close your eyes and you're like, all right, what's step one? How, uh, all right, I got I to gotta frame up. I got to shrimp out. I'm going to have to do multiple shrimps. They're going to try to smother me. I just got to get on my hip. Put my knee up, get them away, give me some space, and that's life. You know, when you feel smothered in life, whether it's just obligations, you know, you really just have to slow down, breathe. All right, what's this first step? All right, this is the first step. Okay, now in conjunction, the second step may not work, but maybe if I do it a couple times, all right, boom, got that. Now I'm up. Now I'm back on my feet. Now I'm able to. to be, be um, proactive instead of reactive. Now I can, now I can, um, uh, execute versus being defensive. And that's something that I really learned a lot, um, over the last, and I've only, I've only had count. I mean, yesterday I think is my 13th class. And I mean, and they're saying that I'm progressing on, on a very, very, um, I'm doing very well for only having twelve classes. I mean, I'm rolling with some some blue belts now that that have been doing it for a while, and um, and I think just like the camaraderie there, because yeah, the guy's going to ch- the other guy's trying to choke you out, right? They're trying to make you tap out, but when they make you tap out, you go back to square one. You you know you you bump fists, you slap hands, and you're right back at it. And then at the end of that five minute roll or three minute roll. Man, they're like, yo, that was a good role. Thanks, you know, and and you guys hug, you guys, you know, you guys kind of talk about, all right, hey, this is what you were doing wrong. This is what, you know, if I would have had you in that and you would have finished that role, then you would have gotten out of that, you know, and, and it's really just a study. Um, and that's what I really like about it because I've i practiced other uh, martial arts. I've practiced, um, I've done karate. I've done Kraw Maga. But the the sense of camaraderie and, and the usability of those, I mean, I think every everyone should should try jujitsu at like a self defense type level, um, because you just get a different type of confidence. Like when you when you uh, practice uh, jujitsu, you know, you know, like hey, if this person is gonna try to like hurt me, I can I can either back away or if I need to get in close, you know, I can at least try to get a rear naked choke and, and tap him out. And you don't really—you're not putting any harm to their body. You're not shooting them in the fucking face and going to jail. You're not beating the shit out of them and having the cops called. You know, I think about that when I look at like certain situations. I watch a lot of fight videos on YouTube, like a, a lot of like those street fights, um, and I'm like, man, if that guy would have just kind of put that guy in, you know, a guillotine, it would have been all over, you know. But not everyone studies jujitsu.
1: Yeah, and and, you know, like that's the thing. I think one thing martial arts is—it really is so much more of it is mental than it is physical. I think that's the that's the thing. Because I've been studying martial arts for quite some time. I mean, um, I I did karate when I was younger, and I I did karate for kids. I I even took a. um, I mean, I've I've been doing boxing a little bit, but mainly with jujitsu. Why I fell in love with it so much was I just remember it just being real. Like I, I just because when you're practicing kata in front of a mirror it just it doesn't like there it, it was like to me a lack of uh, grittiness a lack of reality to it where it's like oh your opponent is exactly going to move like this and then jiu jitsu uh, one of my other teachers Simon he'll, he'll talk about how hey the move is not always going to look sexy the move is not always going to look smooth it's not always going to look a certain way it's going to be more of a struggle it's not always it's not going to be perfect right. and I think that and even in you know why I fell in love with jujitsu as well as um, like what you said—that camaraderie. Where if nine times out of ten, if you get tapped and you ask the person, "Hey, how did you do that?" They're,
0: they're going to show you. They
1: want to show you how. Okay? Yeah, they're, they're going to show a you.
0: Artist. Yeah, it's 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 one team, and you know, and you know, one of my goals is I'm I'm going to try to compete um, one time this year or maybe twice. Uh, But, like, my thing is, like, I'm not even really in it for the competition. I want to know. Like, I want, I mean, it's physically demanding. I mean, you have a different sense of the day where, because I start my day off with jujitsu. Like, I do. I'm at the gym 645 in the morning stretching. um, And that's how I start my day. I start my day fucking getting choked out. And you just have a different sense of, like, things look different. You know, you don't really have the same same cares that like you know some some other other people do that just wake up and they're getting ready for work they're drinking their coffee they're pissed off they got to sit in traffic I me mean, i'm just like man i did the hardest thing i did first thing in the morning and it was fucking getting my ass kicked and you know my theory is you know you know until i progress until i you know master some of these techniques i'm just i'm gonna get my ass kicked my goal is to get my ass kicked less and less every day and for the most part i i feel like i'm accomplishing that and that's a sense of accomplishment you know every day you go to the go to class and you know this i mean, i'm not telling you anything you don't know but you just have that you're like man i did something physically and mentally demanding and i feel good i'm tired but i feel good um and yeah i i, I owe a lot to uh to jiu-jitsu in a short amount of time um i, I really enjoy it uh, compared to a lot of the other martial arts that i've uh, participated in and,
1: and i can tell just by how you talk about it you you uh, i think that that's a that's a good mentality to have because you're going in to learn and I, like i like i said you know we went to talk We um, we talked about masculinity earlier i feel like jiu-jitsu it just makes you feel so just secure because when i was younger I mean, before I started, I think I had a lot of insecurity and a lot of anger, and with Jujitsu, it has helped me put things into focus. It's helped me relax, and and it's made me much more confident in myself. Where I can be myself more openly. You know, I can I can just be me, and I can be comfortable being me. And you know, it's it, it it's made me tougher. I mean, of course, there's things whatever in my life that have toughened me up before Jujitsu because. I, I feel like if I didn't go through certain things, I couldn't. I know there there are people where, I mean, I feel like you just where it, it doesn't connect is because you you go in and get manhandled, or you you go in and you get um, whatever you, you you get beat you know, up and then you
0: you're like fuck yeah, you it, like I'm up, out much. You, yeah you, you
1: get choked you you get it's all it's almost humiliating to a degree because you. All that ego shit, especially we as men that we can't really, like, we the toughest fucking thing around, all that shit dissolves right there. Yeah. It dissolves inside of you, and you realize, I'm really not shit. Now, when when I went into jujitsu first class, I just remember, like, wow, like, just, just some, it was another angle, it was just some white belt just grabbing my fucking lapels, too. It was just bringing me down, like, just, like, gripping me. And then looking at it now, like, where now when I roll, you know this, I'm still a novice, I'm just so much more relaxed, I'm thinking, I'm thinking less, and I'm just trying to let the technique speak for itself, and I think with you, you know, like, what you're telling me is, I think even, even you just showing up, showing up two days a week, man, is, my, my professor says, if that's what you can do consistently, do that, because it's not about, it's all about compound, you know, everything, it it compounds itself, right, you get to, so, you can burn yourself out training and take it from me i have like you know i've burned myself out and occasionally you know I, at least in a year it's good to take a couple of weeks off and then come back to it and you have much more it lets your body feel fresher and you feel much more invigorated to train but overall man i think that you to is just a great experience i recommend a lot of people to try it but specifically you why i feel like good you're in it because you already have that disciplinary edge of being in the military doing a business where jiu-jitsu with you i know that you don't have you don't have that kind of ego anyway you're, you're already humble so yeah I'm, I'm happy that you're in that learning i think you're going to get really good
0: yeah i mean that that's the that's the plan man is is uh i i was looking for things that uh, there's a lot of separate things you can do you can find something that's physically demanding you can find stuff that's mentally demanding. You can find things that um, you know that are gonna occupy your time that you can learn. You know, all you can do separate things, but I felt in, in just my philosophy, if I can wrap it's like a burrito, right? If I want rice and I want beans and I want chicken, I might as well make a fucking burrito, right? So that's how I feel with jujitsu that it's teaching me. I'm 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 physically exerting energy, which I'm I'm like a pit bull. If I'm caged in for a while, if I just if I'm sitting in my house for too long, I'm fucking anxious. I'm like I need to go do something. I need I need to exert something. I need to go for a run or or do something physically demanding. And then on top of that, it's going to mentally strain you, because like I when I'm when I'm rolling, I'm like mentally just laser focused on technique and trying to you know learn these moves and I'm not a very flexible guy and I if the more flexible you are I think a lot of the moves kind of come naturally but I'm not a flexible guy at all and I'm getting there with doing jiu-jitsu but it's mentally just straining because I'm like I'm trying to put my body in these positions and they don't fucking want to go and my mind's telling me quit being a bitch <laughs> and uh and you know you leave that class and you're just like wow I'm exhausted mentally physically but it's like that good that you you want you want to go back you're like all right you know what I, I can't wait to rest I can't wait for the next day um and then I'm going every other like so like I'm going Tuesdays and Thursdays so it's like three days out of the week I'm actually just uh, my body you know I'll go to the gym for like a light workout like just a brisk jog or i'll like I'll do the incline on the treadmill, um, and then I'll you know I'll stretch, and I'm stretching for 30, 40 minutes um, to try to get my body to where, like, uh, some of these maneuvers, um, like, a lot of it, like, is, like, uh, moves from, like, the knee on, knee on belly, and where you're trying to, like, put your leg under their head, and you're putting your other leg fucking getting their arm, and I'm like, man, I'm sitting on this guy, I'm fucking two, like fucking 195. This motherfucker can't breathe, and I'm you know I'm trying to protect them. So I'm like, all right, man, I'm trying to you know lose a little bit more weight, um, and then just get a little bit more fle- flexible, because you know I never really go 100% because I like, when I'm on neon belly, really I'm only putting like 70% of my my pressure on them, because I'm like I'm like man, I'm not really trying to hurt you today. And then when we're practicing arm bars, they're like, oh, pull harder. I'm like, fuck that. I don't want to break this guy's arm. Like, I want to play. I want to train with him. And they're like, no, nah, man, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm learning a lot, man. And, and uh, the gym that I'm at, man, they, they really understand. Um, the, I mean, they go out of their way to help. I mean, especially, you know, if I if it's a like, – I, I learned, like, uh, I'm a Plata the other day. And that shit is from, uh, from Spider Guard and that shit was not for me but like I, I I had to drill it I had to drill it over and over again until like I got it right and the way I was putting his body I'm like man I'm gonna fucking hurt you doing this shit and they're like no man just you're good bro and uh yeah so I mean I'm learning techniques every other day and, and um rolling is, is is something that's special it's like a dance you know and, um yeah I, I owe a lot to it man um, we're getting we're getting close man I'm a, I'm gonna wrap it up um, it's 250 now and I gotta head out um, real quick let everyone know the social let everyone know where they can check you out brother
1: all right um yeah so if you want to follow me on social media I have a couple of pages um, I, I have a link for you, but you can uh, you can look me up uh, as chase hill hip hop if you want to find my uh, my YouTube page for Chase Talks Hip Hop is empty, but I'm working on adding some video essays, and I'm starting to upload all of my new podcasts because I'm starting twenty twenty fresh. I'm gonna start uploading all of my new podcasts, keeping it updated. But you can find me um, Instagram at chase hip hop, and on uh, as well on Instagram at chase Talks hip hop podcast, and I'm, I'm working on getting some. Uh, some more things there's a lot of things in the works as far as music videos I'm writing some treatments uh, content as far as podcasts I have I'm probably going to have one I'm going to have one drop tonight and I'll probably have one more drop tomorrow and I'm just getting ready for the week but you can also find me on Twitter at uh, hold up let <laughs> me catch you. Now, but, uh, my Twitter is from <clears throat> Chase Hill Hip Hop is because that's the thing you know how i those
0: yeah and and and, and yeah
1: if
0: you, hip-hop yeah okay yeah and i'll have all the links in the description i i mean i follow you on all of them so it'll be a pretty easy um find um uh lastly man thank you um so much for being the first guest on the who is vgt3 project i appreciate you um i hope you have a merry christmas and uh we'll be in touch soon okay brother
1: Awesome, bro. Hey, happy, Merry Christmas to you.
0: Have a happy holiday, and I, I just appreciate the opportunity, brother. I wish you much success in everything
1: you're doing, from jujitsu to podcasting. And, yeah, I'm honored to
0: be uh, your first guest. That means a lot to me. I appreciate it. All right, Chase, man. We'll see you soon, okay, brother? All right, take care, brother. Have right. a great day. Bye. All right. That's a wrap on number one, uh, number two, or number three, depending on when this comes out. Um, I appreciate you guys for tuning in and, uh, that's it.